Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Communication Mixed Down. The show that takes a critical look at contemporary media. And explores the way we use communication to make sense of the world around us. From social media to citizen journalism. To the logo on the front of your favourite T-shirt. It's all part of the Communication Mixdown. Each week, Thursday, 6 to 6.30. Communication Mixdown. Cranking up. Right here on 3CR. This week on Communication Mixdown, we're heading into our interview back catalogue. Hello, I'm John Langer. And there's two good reasons for this. The first you can hear for yourselves, my voice. I've got something. The second is the real reason, a report in the Fairfax media a couple of weeks ago. The head of ASIC, that's the Australian Security and Investment Commission, it turns out was advising company directors that they had to start telling investors much more about the risks of climate change in relation to their investments. Otherwise, a company director could personally be sued over breaching their duty of care in the future. For me, that was a standout example of how the crisis of climate change is really being mainstreamed. But there are lots of other ways that this is happening as well in lots of other spaces. In this pre-recorded interview, which was broadcast last February, we hear from David Holmes. He's a specialist in environmental communication at Monash University, and he's talking about the campaign to connect climate change issues to the Daily Television Weather Report. Welcome to Communication Mixdown, David Holmes. Let's start with, well, basically you're the director of the Climate Change Communication Research Hub at Monash University. I was wondering about you telling us a little, little bit about the hub and the background thinking to it. Okay, so uh, the uh, Climate Change Communications Research Hub is uh, attempting to uh, do a number of things to improve the communication of climate change in Australia. Uh, one is to uh, support the communication activities of climate scientists and perhaps raise their visibility in the in the public eye. I think uh, Australians really trust scientists and trust climate scientists, but their their visibility is really not as high as a climate scientist you find in Europe uh, and their relationship to a broad public. Uh, a second thing is um, supporting the communication of climate solutions. So what kinds of messages really resonate with people uh, as far as, um, you know, accelerating perhaps their uptake of uh, renewables, things like rooftop solar, battery storage, uh, which kinds of uh, messages really uh, mm. will work with that acceleration. And then our biggest project is uh, known as uh, uh, as the uh, Weather Presenters Project. So um, yes, we'll come to we'll come to that, and that's exactly yep. what I want to want to chat about. I just just before we get to that, how long has the hub been going? 
So it's been going since, uh, so it's pretty new, since the end of uh, 2016 at Monash. And now we have over 25 members that are drawn from uh, seven faculties and two institutes at Monash, which really brings together a whole lot of expertise of people who are really enthusiastic about communicating their their particular mm. uh, their particular expertise in climate change. Just uh, just another question in terms of the hub and the the focus on communication, which I I think is a is a fantastic and really really important initiative. Is mm. is there are there other institutes or hubs that are working like that around the globe? Do you have connections with those? We do. So there's only really one other uh, one around the globe, and that is in the United States, and it's the Centre for Climate Change Communication, which is kind of based across uh, George Mason University, which is in Fairfax, Virginia, and uh, Yale University. And uh, there, they're doing projects like a kind of weathercasters project uh, with weather presenters, which is something that you know we're trying to replicate mm, here. Yeah. We do a few things a bit different as well. They, they, but they are, you know, they've been established um, for uh, over a decade now, and they've they've they've, they've also got very strong, uh, you know, very strong research on social attitudes to mm, climate mm. change, and which is something that we would like to also do in the longer term, particularly as the CSIRO finished its attitudinal surveys mm. uh, at the end of 2014. So we'd like to sort of take up that role uh, with uh, with what we do with the hub. Let's get to the weather. So everybody talks about the weather, but nobody does anything about it. That's the old adage, and I'm sure you've heard it over yeah. and over again. You've yeah. done a recent study, and as you mentioned, a study of, uh, of weather presenters in Australia in terms of communicating about climate change. And what was interesting for me was that you said in a little piece that you wrote that weather presenters are a rather exclusive club. There's only 75 of them in Australia. Tell us a bit about that. Yes, so that's right. So um, uh, we uh, basically researched uh, every uh, station weather presenter uh, that we, we that isn't it doesn't include. Uh, news readers that so that there are some channels that where just the newsreader reads the weather so like SBS so so we're, we're talking about sort of you know meteorologically trained mainly uh, weather presenters whose sole job is to present the weather and across 31 media markets so five capital city markets and 26 regional markets there are only uh, 75 of them so uh, so what we what we thought we would do is uh, survey weather presenters to see how comfortable they are presenting uh, climate information in their bulletins. And we found that uh, 91% of weather presenters are very comfortable with presenting local historical climate statistics. Mm. And just under 70% were comfortable with, with projecting future local climate projections. And they're also comfortable with more global information, but but basically uh, the preference is for local information. So, so in other words, uh, how climate change is going to impact their particular demographic, their, their market, their audience in their local area, whether it's a city, a large city, or a region uh, of a state. And uh, and you know, lo- local really is um, mm, mm. is the most important thing to them. So. 
the the interest in, that you have in this study, uh, I, I presume, is is because the weather presenters are front and center, as you said, in the bulletins, and uh, many many bulletins have specialized weather presenters. Something that also that was very interesting in relation to what you were saying is that although the weather presenters are on television, their reach is much broader because of social media. So although. Uh, yeah, they're on television, but they also, um, they themselves, you know, feed their own clips uh, out on Facebook, which is a big source of where, um, you know, people see the same content as you would see on television. But television in itself is still the single largest source from where Australians get their news from. Uh, and it, it's, uh, it's larger than social media. But then if you, if you, uh, count on the fact that social media isn't really uh, in competition with with television news in the sense that pe- that more and more uh, social media is used for the, the sharing of traditional media. So, like, check out this clip, check out this mm. uh, you know news feed, and so um, so that really extends the uh, presence of uh, professional material produced on television rather than you know diminishes it. And so I think it's a fallacy for people to think that all social media has come along at the end of television or something. It just provides new ways to look at the same content. In terms of your methodology, uh, you you said you surveyed, what, something like 75 presenters. And again, Mm. what I I read was, um, and this is, I guess this is getting into a little bit of the editorial side of things. You you got something like a 46% response rate. Can Can I ask... Uh, is is it appropriate for me to ask uh, who were the people that responded and who who didn't respond in terms of say the commercial channels as opposed to the public channels? Uh, well, the um, so the, the survey is, was anonymous and um, oh, I see. Okay, yep. yep. Uh, so we well, so individual um, you know in, individual uh, you know surveys we we don't know who filled them out, but oh, okay. uh, but we um, yeah we had a very strong showing from all of the, the commercial networks and and the ABC, and uh, because there is a, a question about um, uh, where, you know where they where they're located, but but yeah so right across the board, and we're finding. Uh, you know, there's a strong interest from the commercial networks. They uh, they know that Australians are seeing more and more extreme weather, and they want to be able to cover that, and they want to be able to make it meaningful. And so, um, so yeah, there was quite a mm. high level of engagement. Uh, you know, weather presenters also know that they're highly trusted, that they, um, you know, they're not just seen to be political in any way, and that really they just present the facts. So, you know, just as they might say that, you know, the top temperature in Melbourne today was 25 degrees, they can, which is just either it is or it mm. isn't, uh, they could say, well, last month was the hottest month on record, and either that's true or it isn't true. Yes. Uh, so it's just, it's just about presenting facts. The, just again, in terms of uh, television editorials and newsrooms are, are run by uh, obviously, the pr- news presenters up front, and the and the weather presenters there, and there's a sports segment as well. But mm. there there must be an overall editorial policy. Do, do you think the the weather presenters would have the let's say the uh, the the power, I guess, within the hierarchy to actually make those kinds of changes? 
going around the editorial policy of the of the the bulletin? Well, it um, varies from market to market uh, as to you know how much autonomy a weather presenter has versus the, the you know how much they they need to sort of follow what perhaps the news director is interested in. Um, and sometimes that autonomy is related to their popularity. So, uh, so for example, um, you know, if they're incredibly popular, they're highly promoted by the the, um, mm. the station. They're given quite a bit of license to do what they want. And if they're passionate about presenting some kind of you know climate information in their segment, then that's fine. In other cases, it's a matter of convincing the news directors. So, in the American program. What they found was when they introduced uh, this new innovation in the in the weather uh, to present uh, climate information that you know ratings of those uh, broadcasters didn't go down and in many cases they went up. Mm. Uh, so you know if if the, and this is what we're anticipating in Australia because we've also surveyed the audiences of the same weather presenters that we surveyed and we have. Um, come up with uh, some very interesting uh, findings, including that almost just under 75% of the, of the audience, this is five capital city, uh, capital city audiences where we surveyed 750 audience members, and 75% were interested in learning more about the impacts of climate change. And then we had some questions in there that would be of great interest to news directors, which is, that um, would you continue watching your main news program if it started presenting information on climate change? And 85% of respondents said they would. And so then we had another question, uh, which is also perhaps more relevant to a news director, is that if, if another channel presented information on climate change and your main channel did not, when your mm. main channel did not, uh, would you switch to the other program? And 57.43% of the audience said they would switch. Very interesting. That's really fascinating. So, in fact, there, there is a market, uh, potentially an audience-driven leverage there that, that, that could promote this. Well, indeed. I mean, you know, when it comes to commercial TV, I mean, you know, they're, they're interested in ratings. That's how their business works, and it makes perfect sense. So, um, so if they... If they get information, if they get research showing that, well, viewers actually want this information because, you know, we live in a nation that's, you know, currently being, um, you know, it's currently very vulnerable to all kinds of extreme weather. Their viewers are noticing more and more that extreme weather, and it's really incumbent on weather presenters to explain what's going on. Mm -hmm. uh, well, well, yeah, why wouldn't you do that and make that innovation? Plus, you know, in some ways, weather's, Weather presentations are getting a bit tired. They're getting a bit stayed. They, you know, it's the same sort of graphics and synoptic yes. charts. And, yes, yes. And you know, a person smiling with you, you know, it really uh, yep. is is something that could be shaken up a bit. Yep, yep. I'm thinking uh, back, and maybe you remember it yourself. Uh, there used to be Rob Gell used to do uh, a weather presentation. He was a quite a personality in uh, in yes. in the weather world, and. He was. Uh, yeah. And I think he had genuinely had a, a a real following, and he could do all kinds of interesting things. I think. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No. He he worked at seven, nine, and ten, and in fact, yes, I've spoken to Rob on uh, many occasions about this project, and 
and uh, yeah, he thinks that uh, that uh, uh, you know the time is now mm. is it's probably a good time to to do something like this because of the fact that Australians are noticing more and more extreme weather. Each year, the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival curates world-class local and international features direct from some of the hottest, most prestigious documentary film festivals in the world, like Cannes, Doc New York City, South by Southwest and Sundance. This year, opening night is on Friday the 6th of July at 7pm at Cinema Nova Carlton. The festival kicks off with Film Worker, the incredible true story of Stanley Kubrick's mysterious assistant. For more details, go to mdff.org.au. See you there. The Melbourne Documentary Film Festival is a 3CR supporter. Twenty eighteen marks twenty years since senior traditional owner Yvonne Margarula invited supporters to come to Mirar Country within Kakadu National Park to blockade the proposed Jabaluka uranium mine. Thousands answered the call. The mine was stopped. To commemorate this extraordinary anniversary, Gunjaitme Aboriginal Corporation and the Australian Conservation Foundation have produced a gorgeous commemorative calendar. Standing strong, Jabaluka 20 years is a piece of history you don't want to miss. Order your copy today at mirar.net. That's M-I-R-A-R-R.net. A 3CR supporter. We're listening to a pre-recorded interview that I did back in February with environmental communication specialist David Holmes from Monash University. And he's explaining how to include climate change issues in television weather reports. David, just to go back to um, the American example... Have you seen have you seen the bulletins where they do the um, the weather and connected to climate and how do, how does that work? Yes, so so it works through an organisation called the Climate Central, where they have a program called Climate Matters, and they offer uh, this enormous archive of graphics, which is hosted on their website, and it's offered to 132 media markets in the US, where. Uh, what a presenter can do is just, you know, if, if let's say you've come round to July and you wanted to do a little piece on how um, nights are getting warmer in, in July in, in uh, Tucson, Arizona, and that's your market, uh, you can go straight mm-hmm. to their website, uh, select Tucson, uh, download the graphic that relates just to Tucson, which shows a time series of... Uh, of maximum uh, overnight, um, oh, sorry, minimum overnight temperatures uh, for, um, you know, since, mm. you know, it could be the 1940s up until now or the 1970s, showing how in each of those markets the temperature has gone up. So temperature time series are really easy. And, and in all of the markets, the temperature never goes down. It's always going up. Mm. Very, in, very interesting. And, and that's... that's I, I also read that you're involved in, in creating these climate communication packages. Would that be the sort of thing that you would like to put in these packages? Yeah, so we're, all, so we're starting to build our archive now, similar to what uh, Climate Matters is doing. So, uh, so, you know, what we're 
we're asking weather presenters, so we're engaging with them to ask them what sort of packages would work in your market. Uh, and I'm, in fact, uh, today I'm off to the ABC in Sydney to um, uh, talk to weather presenters there about, you know, what would what would work. Uh, and um, and you know, we recently did. I'll give you an example: a package mm. on the Australian Open. So uh, the package is, you know, it starts off with perhaps an image of like a, a of a player who has is, is lying on the court suffering from heat exhaustion, and there's quite a few of those, particularly in the last three or four years. Absolutely. Uh, then, um, then we produce a time series showing of temperature showing how um, Melbourne January maximums have increased since the Australian Open began, and right up to 2017. And then after that, a time series showing how they're going to increase further from uh, from this year to out to 2019, uh, according to two pathways. One is the Paris Agreement, showing temperature how it would be affected if we kept the Paris Agreement, and the other one is business as usual if we just keep doing mm. what we're doing now. Mm. So. It, it captures in just a, a graph that you can show, and you know we we put a, a background to it. We'll have a picture of a tennis court, you know, of one of the mm, courts of mm. Australian Open, and it captures, you know, it's something that a presenter could just show in five seconds and just say a few words about. Yes, uh, and people can see really clearly, uh, you know, what what is going on, mm, so, mm. and and but you have to have an associative message. It has to be about something else, like sport, a calendar day that's important to people, um, an anniversary of something. Yes. Uh, because if you just show graphs, um, it's contextless. It's going to be pretty meaningless. Mm. But we, let's take the Australian Open. A lot of people care about the Australian Open. They they watch it uh, over summer. They, they go to the Australian Open. They care about the players. They care about the players' health. They care about the spectators' health. And... Uh, and you know that that can be you know quite a uh, yes. quite a powerful way to make climate meaningful to people. Yes, yes. Look, it's uh, to use that uh, that uh, that old cultural studies term. It inscribes them in the text. I guess it's it's a way of thinking about those sorts of things and gets yeah, them involved. You can put it that way, yes, certainly. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, the other thing uh, I wanted to ask about, and you did mention it earlier, uh, you've just finished a workshop uh, about your yes. research and you presented it to weather presenters. How did that go? Yeah, so we, we had quite a successful workshop on the, uh, the Sunday just before the AMOS uh, conference and we ch- chose a Sunday because it's very hard to get weather presenters to come along on a weekday because of the fact they actually have to present the weather. Mm. Uh, so, uh, so we got the main anchor, you know, a whole lot of anchor weather presenters. We had uh, three from... Uh, Three from a commercial uh, network, and we had three from the ABC and one from a regional commercial network. And uh, they, yeah, they um, they were very engaged in talking about, you know, what might be some of the limitations on a program like this. Uh, and for them, the limitations were that they thought maybe their audience was, you know, too averse to having this, it's resistant to you know, any sort of change in their format, that mm-hmm. would be a problem. The other, the other limitation they thought was time, that they, you know, they only have often two and a half minutes or less, and that you know, how are they going to deal with climate information as well. So by, by the end of the presentation, there was a sort of presentation of the sort of graphs packages that would be used, 
uh, they had a look at those and they actually told the audience at the workshop that, that well, it, it actually wouldn't be that hard to show, say, you know, the Australian mm-hmm. Open package or the, uh, you know, you, it can be done in sort of, you know, very mm-hmm. uh, efficiently in the sense that it's easy for the viewer to just visualise something in, in one graph or in one image. Yes. And so visual communication is really the important thing here. And that's how television works uh, with with visual communication associated with yes. explanation. And and so yeah, so as a result, uh, many of these presenters are now interested in having input into the packages mm. and advising us what would work in their market. And then they give us the ideas, and we'll go off and do the research, do the graphs, and then uh, you know they offer it to them to to use. So. Yes. Uh, so we're very encouraged by that. Sounds amazing and uh, really, really successful as well. And uh, I, I guess this, you, you've just asked, you just answered the last question, where to from here? You, that, that's clearly one of the things you're going to be doing. Are there other, other sort of initiatives around this that you're, you're planning? Uh, I, think, um, I think what, what would also be good as far as where to from here is to establish a kind of... Um, uh, you know, national association for the weather presenters themselves because we found what we've discovered is they're quite fragmented. They don't really have a professional association that's specific to them. Uh, they don't, um, you know, have an annual conference, for example, where they can talk about this. Mm-hmm. And so we, we, we're looking at ways to try and encourage that and, and get so that weather presenters have a sense of themselves belonging to a group. And, they, mm-hmm. you know, they, they often sort of don't, meet each other outside of their own capital city and perhaps sometimes not even within mm. their own capital city uh, for the city-based ones and certainly the regional ones are more fragmented. So uh, so I think um, uh, that's, you know, one, one way this can go. Another is look at whether organisations like the Bureau of Meteorology and the CSIRO that, that does has so many climate scientists can provide some kind of um, short course training for weather presenters that gives them a sort of certification to uh, talk about weather. Because in our survey of audiences, when we, we ask, who do you trust most uh, when to get climate information? Well, of course, climate scientists are number one. Uh, but And sort of weather presenters are in the, you know, they're also mm. in, in the mix there. But, if, but given that television broadcasters are interested in trust, they, they're interested in audiences trusting their presenters as much as possible, it seems to me if, if they had greater scientific expertise, that's mm. just only going to increase that trust. Yes, yes. David, it's been fascinating and uh, fascinating talking to you today, and your insights are really interesting, and, and I really hope this thing, that your project really does get off the ground, because uh, I've, I've been hearing o- over um, a few years now that... Uh, Weather presentations is one of the places where that climate information should be got out there to people and and making them more aware of what's going on and not just aware but but conscious of how they can connect to it. Sure. Yeah. So well, look, thank you for the uh, encouragement and kind words and uh, yeah, and uh, you know I'm happy to keep you posted on on how we uh, how we get get on this year. That was David Holmes, and he's the director of the Monash Climate Change Communication Research Hub. 
and the project he was talking about is called the Television Weather Presenters as Climate Communicators. And the details of all of that will be on the 3CR Communication Mixdown website along with a podcast of this show.